0: This is the Remix Podcast. My name is Kent C. Dodds, and I am joined by Sergio. And I have no idea how to say your last name. So, what is? How do you say that?
1: It's Salambrì.
0: Salambrì. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, Sergio Salambrì. And if you've been around the Remix um, community for any length of time, then uh, you will probably know Sergio from um, whether it's uh, him answering your question in Discord or a blog post or um, uh, one of the libraries that he's made. So yeah, Sergio is very heavily involved in the Remix community and very much appreciated. Um, so Sergio, before we get too much into our conversation, and love for people to get to know you a little bit. So tell us about yourself. Um, you can be as personal or professional as you like. We just want to get to know you.
1: Hey, uh, hello everybody. I'm Sergio Sarambri. Um I'm from Argentina. Uh, I live in Peru. I had to live from a few years after I leave Argentina to live in Colombia first. Uh, I'm a father of a baby, not a baby anymore, uh, but a baby. That <laughs> yeah, uh, <it> does happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I have been using uh, remix for like a year. I think I don't remember the moment I bought, I bought the license because it was the uh, when it was still paid. Mm. and I have been doing web development for like eight years. Eight years it will be nine.
0: Hmm. Cool, cool. Um, my son, for some reason, has just really fallen in love with Argentina. He's six. I'm not sure why, he did, <laughs> but he just really likes Argentina. If if uh, he found out that I had talked to somebody who is originally from Argentina, I, I'll tell him later and he'll be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, <laughs> So, um, you got into web, you said, uh, around eight years ago, I'd love to hear, uh, what got you into web in the first place.
1: Well, when I was like 10 years old or something like that, I don't remember exactly. Uh, I wanted to learn how websites work, right? how all of this magic that makes something on the browser in the spread at that moment, uh, happens, um, Someone showed me some links to start learning, and I started learning, and then uh, I went the bad way using Dreamweaver, and I stopped learning, web development. <laughs> just, used, just used the visual editor. Uh, years later, after high school, I took a course online, an online course on web development and running with JavaScript was my first running language, and then I started working on it. Um in argentina in a company there and then moved to colombia to work in uh, in startups and i haven't worked in on startups you know, from then.
0: sweet yeah um i remember using dreamweaver when i was a kid as well uh if you don't mind me asking how old are you I- i'm 33 how old are you
1: i'm 29
0: 29 yeah so we're not too too far off you know from that uh that time growing up and and uh I, I do remember using some of that uh Dreamweaver stuff early on and just like, well, oh, okay, moving on and then finding it again later. Um cool. So I, I'm now I'm curious what got you into uh into remix. So you started uh at uh at these companies, um are like yeah, I I I guess I should just end the question there. What got you into remix?
1: Uh well I they- got the newsletters first like it was a new shining thing i can read about that was there was everything i like, could just subscribe to the newsletter but mm-hmm. then when i was starting to read the newsletter i started to find like this just solves all my problems <laughs> in web mm-hmm. development i was doing a, a web application at that moment using rigor rails for the backend and the logging part and and then using something called Webpacker to build the application. Webpacker is a, a gem from Ruby on Rails to basically give you a pre-configured Webpack, so you don't need to do that yourself. Got it. Um, and uh, I was using React and RedQuery. Query, and uh, I used to use XWR before. That um, mm-hmm. I was doing all of those things that uh, you read blogs and watch tutorials and conference, they all say that you should do these things. Yeah, yeah. Like skeletons everywhere, uh, uh, browsers uh, side cache and things like that. And it was starting to see all the problems of that. Like it was not perfect. A lot of loading states were not perfect. The product manager noticed that this is not loading that fast, or it has problems. And sometimes uh, things jump on the screen because they were loading more things. Yeah. And a lot of waterfall requests <laughs> I was doing because I was uh, using suspense to do the data fetching with that query. So if you had three or uh, two or more queries actually uh, on the same component, you will make the first component block the next one, query. The first query block the next query. So you will start having a waterfall and I health components with like four or five queries. So it was a lot of time to take and they take through the request. Mm-hmm. And then Remix uh, saw all of that, basically moving everything to the server. It makes a lot of sense when I was reading all of that. And uh, layout routes, it was super interesting at that moment because I was doing some similar things with that router. I also working on Next.js applications and they don't have that. Mm-hmm. So you had to duplicate a lot of code uh, everywhere. And if you want to do server surrendering in Next, uh, you need know, to refetch all the layout uh, data you already have again every time you navigate because they don't have layout routes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, or you need to move the data fetch into the client and lose the several side rendering benefits.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> um, yeah, and maybe that, I wonder if that's actually why. Um, OK, so taking a step back, the. Um, I haven't been able to figure out why the Next team has been pushing people to static site generation and ISR and doing stuff on the client um, because they have a, a server. And now I'm wondering if maybe that's why is because um, otherwise you have to, to refetch everything when the client is hydrated, um, as, as you described.
1: And am not sure because the first versions of Next have this get initial problem method that was basically like a loader mode. You can run both client side and server side. So they do that originally. And they also and you just read the original versions of the original notes about and next they said and they said okay, you need to do server around this is the way. Okay. And then they started doing they added the SSG features and ISR features and they started selling that I think it has probably something to do with their business. Like, it makes sense. Mm. They sell serverless and static pages. Uh, it makes sense for them to try to push that. But I I never I never understood why they didn't they didn't add layout roots for example. Yeah. Even with SSG, it makes sense to have layout roots.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Like, it, it's really annoying to have to have that layout component that um, that is responsible for rendering basically everything on the screen that you don't care about for this particular route that you're writing. Uh, so that nested routing helps a lot with that sort of thing from like even the developer's uh, uh, experience perspective. Um, so you were having these, these problems with your um, app at your work. Can you describe the app that you were um, experiencing these problems with? Uh,
1: the app, it, it was an internal app for things like a Linear. Or GRI, but mm-hmm. Jira, but have inspired Jira with a better, better UI. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, a lot of tasks, and have, like a list of tasks, and a list of uh, tasks that we are working on, and organized by pending uh, to do completed or waiting for review, things like that. And you had to open the task and make hey, made fancy things like if you click on the task, I already have some part of the information from the list. So, when you open the task detail page, I show a uh, uh, part of that information immediately, and spinners for the rest. And then the rest were loading, and then I had uh, like steps on on the task, and you click it on the step and changing the, the detail of the on the step. But uh, like the sidebar with the list of steps and the main information of the task was still there, like layout, right? Yeah. Uh, the amount of spinners was huge. And then things like uh, we use uh, skeletons UIs. And uh, the designer didn't design the skeletons UI. Mm. They only designs usually the full UI. So we had to keep the, the skeletons updated ourselves in the front end team. Mm. Uh, and remember that if we change something, we need to make the skeleton somehow look similar to the yeah. final UI.
0: Yeah, and that's that's no fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh the other day it occurred to me that the best kind of skeleton UI is the one that actually has all of the real data. <laughs> so no skeleton UI at all. <laughs> yeah. Just make it uh <laughs> make it so that you don't need the skeleton UI in the first place. Um that's the best kind of skeleton UI I can imagine. <laughs> so, um you uh, had all these problems with the app that you were uh, had at work. Um, where where would you say you got the expertise to be able to identify or, or like because you were really early on with Remix. Uh, you were one of the first people to to really get it and start using it. Uh, where did you get the expertise to be able to look at Remix and say, oh, yeah, that solves all of my problems?
1: Mm. I think it was because I did many things in my career, like I worked on an education platform which has similar layouts. It it almost always has this kind of layout with a column that is always there and a detail that changes. And I had all this time, like these problems, that layout tools solves. And with a lot of of time, this kind of application, different applications, but doing similar layouts, and that made me realize like all the things you need to do all the time there to make them work uh, with a grid ux right and when i was reading the newsletter uh, and watching the videos of the remix channel uh, from ryan i was like oh yeah this solves this problem and uh, with this i don't need this anymore like, like no need to have that query because the loader has data i need and I don't need to do these hacks to have layouts in next years. it's already built in the front in the router.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh that's awesome. So um you're also like you do a lot with uh, abstracting remix to have like little helpers and things. Um what uh, uh as as Probably the most prolific Remix library author in existence right now. Um, <laughs> what would you say uh, is um, like, what is it like to build a, a library for Remix? Um, like, how easy is it to, from the outside of the application, build abstractions that work well with it?
1: Well, what I usually do is to just build it inside the app and then see how kind of abstract it. Right? remove the app-specific things. Then, the, then I had a few issues with things like in the server-side code of Remix, I need to do cl- uh, common JS modules and, in the br- and if they need to work on the browser. I need to use ESM modules. Mm. And sometimes uh, Package has server-side and client-side code, but I still need to build both versions. Even for servers, I only call because it will still need to have the import line on the server and things like that. But that I basically solved just using TypeScript uh, compiler two times, one for yeah. each target. And I think right now we have tested that set up solved it and it's easy to just keep adding things, especially for Remix utils. Just create a file, document it, export it, and that's it, and publish a new version.
0: Yeah, yeah, so you feel like it's, um, well, I guess the thing I was trying to to get at is how abstractable is Remix? um, And what about Remix makes it easy to build libraries?
1: Um, I think because of the API of the React, uh, the request and response objects abstract server cycle, it's super easy. Especially because it will work on every platform you can deploy Remix to. The first version of, but the my first attempts to build something like authentication for Remix was with Passport JS, like because it's I could use Express, so I just tried that, mm-hmm. and I had this problem like I wanted to deploy it to my I couldn't use Passport JS anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I was really surprised when I implemented authentication on my site how uh, straightforward it was because um, I. The the last time I did authentication by myself was with Passport JS and Express back in like 2014 or 2015. And so, yeah, probably 2014. And so it was um kind of kind of fuzzy. But Ryan gave me like a list of like here are the things like in order, this is what needs to happen when you do authentication. Uh like not with remix, just like in general. I was like, yeah, that I should be able to do that. And I was really surprised how straightforward that was. And now, here you have this library that uh, that integrates perfectly with Remix and potentially anything else that uses request response. And yeah. um, and then you have uh, different strategies or adapters or whatever for different authentication providers.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that the other day, actually, uh, how you could technically get uh, Remix out to work in Cloudflare Workers app without remix and just closely worker mm-hmm. because they use the same requests and objects so if you stop throwing responses it will be the same uh, mm-hmm. as it should work there um yeah yeah and, and basically how i build that library was a lot of trials uh, of how to do authentication because where mm-hmm. i work right now we use out zero mm-hmm. and when i was trying Things in Remix, I was like, okay, hey, what can I do? Let's do the front-end application of where I work, but in Remix, uh, and try different things that I need to have on the application. One of those was authentication with uh, OCO. so I tried lots of approaches, like the uh, Real ADK, which is terrible because it stores the uh, token on local storage, and then if you need it on the server, you need to send it. To the server to store it in a cookie and then logging out the user is harder because they store another thing on the local storage. To so know if the user is authenticated, if you don't remove that, you can log in again without zero client side. Then I try the password way. Then I but I didn't like it that you need to put the user information on the context object, the logos and actions. So you can also you can deploy to anything, except Express, and then. Uh, as I was discussing all of these ideas on the Discord of Remix and uh, someone pointed me up to a tutorial from Cloudflare that explained how to add authentication without zero in Cloudflare. We don't need to add any client side uh, JavaScript code. Hmm. And I implemented, because the API is basically the same, because I responses, I implemented everything in Remix then I tried to externalize it. Um decide to create this remix out package and go with a similar approach to passport like strategies. You can attach to the authenticator instance and say, use the out zero strategy. And you configure everything there one time and in your code you just say authenticated out zero. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was working, and then I read how uh, how Oout 2 works because when I published the first version, Michael asked me, does this support 0 And I said, mm-hmm. "This should. <laughs> and Then I found out that out 0 actually does the same thing. So I I removed the O2 specific code from the out 0 strategy, created the generic one, every, and created more strategies like GitHub, Google, and, and I think there was something at Discord and but well, more strategies started, some people from the community started to create. You now they are all split different packages. So it's easier to maintain because I was mm. having to maintain all the strategies and there was actually like 10, more than 10 strategies. Yeah. And say, so if we have the 500 strategies passed for us, it will be impossible for me to do <laughs> this myself. Yeah. So let's just move everything to packages. And if you want to get your strategy for, I don't know, whatever thing. Linear, for example, that it's possible to do learning with linear. So if you want to do that, just do it, do it yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that was a wise strategy. Uh, <laughs> so, um, cool. So, um, oh man, I had a, a, a thought that came into my mind, but now it's gone. Um, one one thing that you mentioned though was uh, uh, that you were able to get authentication working without any client side code. Um, And that was one thing that I really appreciated about Remix early on when I was doing authentication on my site was because I started with Firebase authentication and I've never really felt really great about um, how much code you have to send to the client for Firebase authentication to work. But I was just kind of like, well, I guess this is how much it takes (laughs) to to do authentication. And then um, I realized that, oh, you know what, I can move some of that over to the back end and when i that was actually the, an afternoon of work um uh, because remix just makes that front end back end um uh, so seamless and then i realized you know what there's actually a whole lot going on here and i was able to implement it myself just hand roll the whole thing um with uh you know uh user objects in my postgres database in the session and, and everything um so yeah, I, I've been really impressed at uh, you know Remix's ability because of that seamless client-server uh, to move more of your code over to the backend. And I found out that um, like when I was almost done with my site, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've spent more time writing backend code than front-end code!" Like for the first time ever. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm curious, when before Remix, did you do much backend code, or were you mostly a front-end engineer?
1: I have always been more front-end than back-end, and it was on my last job But I started to do, uh, I learned Rails, and I started to do more back-end things from time to time, it's still not a lot, and I still use Rails in my current job, and I still don't do that much back-end code, but I haven't thought about that, and it's that front-end code is not only a browser code, right? Like, it's not just HTML, CSS, and JavaScript because, for example, how you generate the HTML on the server is responsibility of the frontend, And a lot of things that happens on the server should be responsibility to the responsibility of the front end, like URLs. The backend shouldn't be the one creating the URLs on the application, at least not, and maybe from the API, but not for the UI URLs. In a previous job, I had, I had to go to Django and create the URL and the controller, and a view, and other things. So I can load the JavaScript to render <clears> the <throat> ad. And it makes no sense that if I am the front and I create the views, it makes sense that I create the URLs. And if I know the URLs and I know the data they need, it makes sense that I also control things like the HTTP headers of the of the response, right? Like I want, what I want to preload, or how I want to catch this specific URL for the UI. Backends can still do that for API endpoints. I don't care about that how they do that, <laughs> but for the URLs, for the UI, I am the one that knows more about how it should be cached. So these things that happens on the server should still be considered part of the front end job.
0: Yeah, I suppose the the definition. Actually, I remember talking with um, with engineers who had been around for a longer time. And they continue, uh, when I was at PayPal, they would uh, refer to my node server as the front end. Um, and I was like, but that's running on a server. Like that's the backend. And, and so like these uh, terminologies get, get kind of mixed up. And and um, what I find interesting is I would also talk to uh, people who would call themselves web developers, but they are working primarily on servers. And I, I was always surprised by that, like, well, I, yeah, I guess you're building stuff for the web so that makes you a web developer. Um and I, I never really um realized that I was actually only half of a web developer. Um or or not not really, but like um I I only did half of web dev. I could never do the full thing all, all on my own um because I was just doing everything on the front end. Um and now, like you could totally do that, and there are a lot of companies where you have backend engineers who are dedicated and just giving you APIs. And even in Remix, you can hit those APIs directly. But um, it uh, it was just eye opening to me when I realized, oh, I um, I now have so much more power, and I am a full stack web uh, developer now because I have Remix, and it just makes that um, that client server interaction so seamless.
1: Yep, suddenly. You can actually make Remix work, I like, say, full stack and do everything in Remix, like build your wall business logic uh, in Remix, like all your database tables and uh, how they interact and jobs and everything. Put, there, put all of that in Remix, or you can use a framework specialized for that, like, you know, Rails, for example, uh, or Django that has mm-hmm. all of these things and it either starts thinking about the model and then goes to the URLs and then it's there like an API and let the remix have be the front end like the client application of that that works on the server but also works on the browser of the user.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so Sergio, what would you say um if if you could have everybody do one thing to make their user experience of their app better? What would you say is the one thing um, to you'd recommend everybody? Like you, you use a lot of websites on the internet today, and lots of them are super annoying. What's one thing they could all do to make your experience using those websites better?
1: I think using the URLs to change things on the UI. Uh, in uh, in my son's uh, school, they have like the internal email app. not an actual email. Uh, and mm-hmm. if you click on an email and click back, you will go back to the login page because mm-hmm. they don't change the URL. And it's really annoying when that happens. Like it just, it, it's running on the browser. Use the browser features. And let me do browser things because I am to that. I own the browser and not on a mobile application.
0: Uh, I, I think using the URL is a great piece of advice. And uh, you've got, Remix, which definitely embraces the URL um, for for things. What, what would you say, since we have just a little bit of time left, what would you say about uh, like a dashboard application where um, they do update the URL, but it's mostly in the query string uh, where you only have one page uh, and just a bunch of widgets on that page that control things through the query string? And do you have any experience with that and any bits of advice on how to make that experience better?
1: Okay. Well, specifically with Remix, it's uh, it's complex because you have a lot of components that may need to be updated independently and you may not want to reload all the components just to get the data. once. So you can maybe uh, just forget about server and rendering and say, it's a dashboard, you will use JS, uh, just send, send as much as you can server-side and then just fetch data for each widget client-side and try to render them at the same time, fetch everything in parallel. Uh, and then was an idea that we were discussing uh, two days ago uh, in the disco uh, that was using iFrames mm. uh, yeah. to render the components. Uh, so you can say each widget is a URL and the main page where you have all the widgets its basically a lot of iPhones you rendered, and that way each one can load independently and can have their own JavaScript code loading independently with the rest and update itself however they need, and everything with server are rendering hmm. but it was like a weird idea to try it. yeah sure. <laughs> how much adoption <laughs> yeah. release that
0: I mean it is a web platform API, so that is using the platform but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that um, there are a couple of interesting things about that. Like one thing that people will say, well, I want to be able to, um, you know, have be able to bookmark that, or I want it to persist the the filters that I have set up or something. And I'm pretty sure you could manage that um, actually with uh, sessions. And, and if you want to share it, then you can probably generate uh, a persisted, you know, ID for some sort of persisted settings or something like that. It's an interesting thing to explore. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, um, with uh, the last minute or so that we've got here, Sergio, what would you say is the uh, best way for people to uh, keep up with you and and follow the things that you're working on?
1: Uh, follow me at Twitter and at Sergio DXA or in Discord, uh, I'm there almost all the day. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Well, and and the community definitely appreciates it. Hopefully you get some time with uh, your baby as well. (laughs) And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Sergio, for giving us some of your time today. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye.